In this episode of Understanding the Gray Man Concept, we're going to talk about your appearance. We'll be discussing ways to cheaply and easily change your appearance relatively quickly without spending a lot of money. We will look at some specifics that if you want to get into it, you'll definitely want a professional and put a little money into it. This will give you some common ideas and things to look out for to prepare yourself in case you need to change your appearance or to make sure you're prepped in a way that if something comes up or you're traveling or whatever you're doing to help maintain your personal safety, you're able to change little things about yourself to make yourself less memorable and to appear like you're supposed to be somewhere and possibly be somebody else than you were five minutes ago. We'll dive a little deeper into what the gray man appearance is and dispel some of the misinformation that's out there so that you can focus on the areas that are best going to make the difference and actually do work. That's happening right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. What most people find when they look into the Gray Man concept or the Gray Man theory is a series of articles written over several years or perhaps videos some source of information, even sometimes people spend money on a piece of literature, like a book, for example. And what is most often found is it tends to be recycled information. This information isn't necessarily wrong, but it's definitely incomplete. It gives the idea that this is not only simple, but it's somehow widely used and understood by a lot of people who've never had the training or experience living that lifestyle. Having spent the better part of 10 years in this country and living abroad, having to follow certain gray man concept principles and live that lifestyle, I've picked up a few things and learned many things that anybody can do to change their appearance. What's important to understand is when we talk about the gray man appearance, every time we see something, they talk about how they look physically. They focus heavily on the clothes, as I talked about in the very first podcast, and this often gets undersold or perhaps oversold in what you should wear being not branded clothing or muted tones or earth tones or sometimes people say wear camouflage all of which is very misleading a better way to describe it is to say how you should appear appear being how you conduct yourself how you behave how you speak how you interact with people how you deal with altercations everyday situations and interactions no matter where you're at while your clothing in some situations stand out and then in some situations may tend to seem like they're camouflaging you, as I stated before, that part of your image is only good for about 30 seconds. And that's if somebody's really staring at you. Typically, unless there's something noticeable about a person, we focus in like zooming in on a camera as we walk by them or engage them, focusing more and more on the parts that are memorable, paying attention to interact with them, which is typically your face or at least everything above their shoulders. That full body picture and what we're wearing and the clothes we have is usually things that our brain and just how we see things are picked up from a distance when we're approaching somebody or when they're leaving a situation. And most of the time, unless something significant had happened, we tend not to even remember those. And we definitely tend to forget what people look like. However, we've seen with crime and criminal statistics and law enforcement that sketch artists over very little pieces of information can actually determine what somebody looks like based on the memory of the individual who most of the time wasn't even trying to recall their face and is not sure how to describe it, but believes they know what it looks like or if I see it again, I'll probably recognize that person. Whether each situation happens to be subconscious or conscious, that goes to show that 
things we see most distinguishing about a person is their face. And after that, it's going to be things like their hands, what we pay the most attention to. Whereas in those situations, if they only gave descriptions of their appearance being, oh, I look like they had a dark shirt on or a dark hat. Yeah, maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. Probably doesn't. And that's good information to have. But if we know more specifics on what we're looking for, we can do two things. One, we can recall information, situations, and people easier. And two, we can figure out if this is what I can do or the average person can do, then I need to make things different about myself or prepare myself in a way to ensure that if I'm in a situation or if I'm on the run to protect myself because of some sort of situation that I'm in, I won't be as memorable to somebody that might be following me or after me. There are some generalities that are valuable or important about some of the things that we see repeated all the time, but they need to be put in context. One thing people tend to kind of oversell is the concept of blending in or blending in with your environment. But what they don't explain is what your environment is. Your environment may seem like it's the town you're in, but you know what? Every time you go into a building, that's a different environment. Every day of the week can be a different environment. A holiday can be a different environment. You could be in the same place, wearing the same outfit, and interacting with another person changes your environment. It's how we prepare for and react to those situations that help us blend in. And the biggest thing about it is after that initial once-over look at somebody and making sure that perhaps generally we do dress in a way where we aren't identified easily from a distance, that it's how we appear as a person in our behavior and our conduct is really what the gray man theory is about, which is more about what this show is going to get into in later podcasts. But today we're going to focus on the important parts of appearance and what we can change about ourselves. First is looking at what I call the laws of subtraction or addition. I want you to think back. Maybe this is you. Maybe it's as an adult or as a child, there was somebody you knew. And for some reason, they ended up getting glasses. This type of change is typically noticeable for two reasons. One, we're adding a significant change to our appearance, not just adding something on us. And two, it's because it's on the face where we look at the most. But what we don't realize is when it's somebody we know, somebody we interact with, we never consciously realize how much we actually look at the face more than anything else on somebody that we interact with, whether it's a short-term interaction, having a conversation or whether it's somebody we know all the time. That's the biggest reasons why we know that change the glasses. We see it easier. Now, we have similar reactions when somebody no longer wears glasses or switches to contacts. One thing is it's psychological. If they're switching to contacts and we're told that, we just psychologically accept that easier and don't take as much notice. Or if they just don't wear glasses anymore, we see them, but it tends to be easier to get used to it looking in, in the face because it's something that was taken away. Although it appears like it's just as significant a change as putting glasses on, it's not. Those glasses are significant enough that it's interrupting the view that we normally have of that person. Whereas the removal of glasses actually lets us look easier into their eyes and see them differently. Now, why that does speak to appearance, and it may seem that, you know what, maybe that wasn't the situation for me. Maybe you've seen something different. Let's focus more on how that person appears. Let's think about that person who has the glasses. Most of the time when people add or remove glasses as part of what they need to have every day. They tend to be younger, especially when they're kids. And the thing is, for some reason, there's a stigma about it in most situations, especially how people get treated. Once you have an object that may seem like an assistance device, even like glasses, it affects our overall attitude and confidence as a person. 
The removal of those glasses tends to increase confidence and awareness of oneself, making them walk a little different. Now, maybe if they were really down in the dumps all the time, we notice that confidence, but it makes it easier to accept who they are because it's a positive thing. Whereas once they have to wear the glasses for corrective sight, some people tend to be more closed off, maybe a little ashamed or depressed. They act differently because they need that device, especially when they're younger. Another example is hair. We see this a lot with women, but it is just as true with men. Women tend to talk about it more. Women tend to feel really good when they get their hair done. They look better. They got the new hairstyle or maybe just the trim. Their hair is healthier. They're more focused on the quality of that hair than most men are. Perhaps they get it colored. They walk with a little happiness and confidence they may not have had an hour beforehand. They may not do this every time, but they do it several times, uh, if not most of the time. You take that same woman, she can't get a haircut, she's getting split ends, maybe she has it colored and that's growing out, maybe she's getting some gray. She can get depressed, get upset, even if she doesn't say anything to anybody, and it affects how she behaves subconsciously or consciously throughout her day. This is to point out and illustrate a couple of things. The behavior of a person can indicate whether or not a change has happened recently or what the change may be and things you can look for. So when I see somebody that's a little perky, a little happy, a little confident, before I even question them, I look for things that might be noticeable changes that would have raised their natural confidence and self-awareness. If they look like they're not as happy or they're a little depressed, I look for things in their appearance that may need change or something they may want change, or if I know the person, something they normally would have changed that they can't or haven't done, and they don't realize it's affecting their behavior. Why is this important? Any change you do needs to be natural. By natural, I mean you should be acting and behaving as though it's always been there. So that's one of the hardest things about how you appear. When you make a change, is focusing on not what the change is, but how you behave. Because if you can't do that, no matter what you change about what people see, how you appear and behave is what's going to be noticed. That's what makes people memorable. This is why things we see, especially below the neck, are so small in the overall gray man concept. So as we talk about these things, let's remember that when we have changes, confidence is nice and good for a person on any given day to have, but exuding confidence that isn't normal to who you are or normal to the situation or environment you're in, if it isn't suitable, that's a bad thing because it's noticeable. So these changes that we're going to talk about are things you can practice and probably should so you get used to feeling them and seeing how things are different so you're not touching things, looking in the mirror a lot, doing all these little things that are noticeable that you're seeing something in yourself that's different that you may or may not like that's making you uncomfortable because that's what makes you noticeable. Part of this is establishing your own baseline behavior that you have to get used to. For example, you need to exercise a certain amount of patience, almost a normalcy bias, not have it, but kind of show it so that people actually don't see how you're really behaving. What I mean by that is you're going with the flow. If you're going with the flow, you're moving and acting and behaving with the majority. That's how you hide. If you're going against the flow, even if you're not the person standing on a soapbox, you're going to be a lot more noticeable to people that are in that natural flow. So we're going to talk about things we can subtract, which tends to be remove, smaller changes that aren't as noticeable, especially to people we don't know. So let's look at the hairstyle you have. First and foremost, what is your hairstyle? How often do you get your hair maintained and cared for? How do you care for your hair? Do you have an established routine? It doesn't have to be some high-end expensive product. You don't need to spend two hours in front of the mirror, but maybe that's who you are. 
first identify what is your normal routine. Then figure out if I had to completely change that routine, how much would affect me? How much would it affect my attitude? How much would it affect how I touch my face or look in the mirror throughout the day? Those are going to be the first things you need to combat. So if you're going to change your appearance and you have hair, one of the things you need to prepare for is having to get your hair cut. Let's say a woman who has long hair decides that she needs to change her appearance so she cuts her hair to a very short style. These are situations where we're not worried too much about that average person that we know or the regular acquaintance or close friend. We're talking about a situation where you need to change your appearance for your own safety. In that situation, every person you run into that sees your hair has no idea that you had longer hair the day before. Therefore, you need to act in the same way as though you never had long hair in the first place. That's why you need to be aware about what you're doing and how you're looking at yourself in order to behave naturally. If you're always touching your hair and looking for the hair and feeling like it's there, if you can't break those habits, it's going to be noticeable that you had your hair cut. Now, while it does take a little bit of time, if you have short hair and you want to add some extensions to your hair, that can work, at least for women in sub situations. Now, while it seems like we're adding something to us, it's so easy to cut the hair, people would look for that. So it's a lot harder to look for somebody thinking, hey, maybe they got hair extensions and added eight inches to their hair. The thing is, if you do that, you need to use somebody that knows what they're doing, that does it well. So this is an area where if I was out when I had hair, because I'm bald now, but when I had hair, if I was looking for those types of things, it's something I would research where I was or where I was working so that I knew who I would use and not have to have a knee-jerk reaction, just try to find somebody and then get this screwed up job that would give me away. A quick and easy thing to do is dye your hair. Firstly, if this is something you're going to consider, you actually need to play around with over-the-counter products and figuring out based on the colors they say in there what that actually does to your appearance. You need to go into it already knowing what you're going to look like. That's not only going to help you deal with it during the change, but it means you've probably also practiced with it but it also means it's actually going to work for you and make a good enough change. If you're going to use over-the-counter products, the best thing you can do is just like you see in the movies, one solid color and the whole thing. Now, a fairly significant color change to your hair with highlights does work well, and if done by a professional, it's not as noticeable. It can actually look natural. That's something that costs money, but it's something you need to be aware of so that you can identify who can do that for you and relatively quickly if you need to change your appearance. So imagine if you were able to get this really nice uh, thing done to your hair with all the highlights and the colors and a good haircut, and then you need to cut your hair significantly short, but you still have the highlights in there. So now that's a completely different look. Then if you had to go in there and screw all that up and throw in a bunch of black, you'd be a completely different person. Those are how we do the levels of change, how we do a quick change from one thing to another, at least what would be quick for your hair, and we can get several different looks. The other option is to wear some sort of wig, unless you're working with somebody that is a professional special effects artist or somebody that works in a, one of the disguise departments in an agency that does this type of stuff for people that go undercover. Probably not a good idea to try the wig thing out. That's going to be definitely too, too noticeable. And while that does seem to mostly apply to women, we need to look at men's hair too, especially facial hair. It's not too hard, especially for... An artist or anybody that has facial recognition software or just using regular photos they find of a target, if somebody's looking for you, even if you have a really, really long ZZ Top beard, if you cut it way down but you still have a beard, it's not that noticeable of a change. 
What I mean by that is you're still easily recognizable. It's not as effective as when you cut 10 inches off a woman's hair, giving her a short haircut. But if you were to trim any length of beard way down, and especially if you go into some sort of styling or putting it into a simple goatee, that actually changes the facial dimensions and what that person looks like, especially if you dye it. Whether or not that you go to a goatee, if you shave that off and go straight to your mustache, that is completely different and it does stand out. So you have to be careful with that. Does a mustache look normal on you? Do you know how to wear a mustache appropriately that's suitable to your environment? I only say this because they're not as common anymore as they used to be 20 or 30 years ago. The other thing is if you think this is something you'll have to do, whether you're changing your appearance to go travel or because of a security thing, especially for men. Now, if you're somebody with a beard that thinks this is something you might do, you need to experiment a couple of times a year, meaning shave it all off or go down to a goatee for several days. Why? Tan lines. Those tan lines are going to give you away, especially if you have darker hair and you have any amount of hair on your face. If you are in sunny environments or you're outside and just happen to get a lot of sun, that tan line is going to be noticeable. And the first thing somebody's going to see consciously is that you recently cut that beard back. And that's going to make you memorable. Now, while we did talk about glasses, an example, another thing is you can very easily get glasses made that don't have corrective lenses in them. Some people do it for style. I have uh, one pair still myself. That's something to definitely look into. Once you're wearing glasses, depending on the color, the frame style, how they're shaped, completely changes your facial dimensions. Now, again, if you have glasses like that and you don't normally wear them, when you put them on and somebody's used to seeing you all the time, yeah, that's noticeable, but that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the regular everyday people that don't know who we are, trying to be unfamiliar to them. In this situation, the right glasses will change your facial features. So all you have to do is try them on and experiment a little. Same thing is true for sunglasses. The different types of tint, how tinted it is, the shape, the color does change your appearance and how you look. What's really easy for a man, especially if they have shorter hair but longer hair work too, is wearing just a simple beanie having a beard, and then also wearing sunglasses. Then if you remove that beanie and we see that they have a hairstyle or if they completely shave their head and then they take that beard and remove it or cut it down to a goatee and then remove the glasses, even though we can see their eyes, doesn't even look like the same person most of the time. So right there, we just have a few little things to start with that we can change about ourselves relatively quickly to change our appearance and what we look like. Practicing with these and the others we're talking about is fairly simple. You can just take photos of yourself. You can look in the mirror. You can ask people what it looks like. You can do whatever to get uh, different opinions on how it changes your appearance and how you look different. When you start hearing people say, man, now you look like a librarian or wow, you look really serious or wow, you look really happy. When they start expressing fields of work or industries that you look like you work in or a change of your attitude or emotion, those are positive things that you'll need to take note of because those are the things you'll want to use if you ever need to change your facial appearance for whatever reason. Now we'll use sunglasses as an example of something where the appearance of that accessory, much like your clothing, could matter. Again, suitable to your environment. Where I'm at in Arizona, people are wearing sunglasses 365 days a year in parts of this state. All the time, there's all different types, all different price ranges, frame styles and colors. So much so that unless you're looking for it, a lot of people don't pay attention to sunglasses. However, there are places in this country where just wearing sunglasses at all is noticeable because people just don't do it. The sun isn't always that bright. People don't always need them. 
in a situation like that, in that environment where it's not a common item, that would mean you want a more common version of that item. So think of it that way. Anything that you wear, whether clothing or an accessory, is it relatively common in general to the environment? If it is, you have a lot more freedom with the appearance of it. If it's not common to the environment, then you need to make sure that item is very common to all other like items. I'll compare that to clothing. Some people say you shouldn't wear branded clothing and there should be muted colors because that'll stand out and be more memorable. I suppose in some areas that that's definitely true. There are places where it would definitely be noticeable if you're wearing a $100 Nike Pro golf shirt. However, if you're at Pebble Beach collecting intelligence on foreign nationals, they're paying to golf there and everybody's wearing Nike shirts and equipment, then yeah, it's actually a little easier to wear it in that environment. Sure, that's specific, but it's only to point out that there is a place and time for everything and things will work. It's how do you make them work to your advantage. Lastly, on the eyes themselves, one of the things that can really change everything about you, especially on people with fair skin or women with lighter colored hair, but this can work on everybody, is colored contacts. The thing is this, if you're going to get colored contacts, pay the money. This is an item that you want something well-made that you can take care of and practice with that you have no problem throwing away if you needed to. Changing your eye color is significant and definitely changes the entire features of the face and how people remember you. Also remember those of you who've probably seen it, eye colors tend to change or seem to change based on the clothing people wear. This is where it works to your advantage once you figure out how that color is going to work with the clothing you're wearing and what image it's going to give to somebody. The reason you want to spend the money is a lot of times the cheaper products are just too drastic of a change or they're too intense of a color that doesn't look natural. Now working out from the eyes, let's look at the eyebrows. It's very common now. It's a lot more common than it was 20 years ago. People get their eyebrows done, even men. Whether they're getting shaped, trimmed, or put in a new different pattern. Some cases even dyed. People do a lot of different things with their eyebrows. Some people remove all the hair, or if they have finer or thinner hair, use types of makeup to either accentuate or completely add the eyebrow. Now, while I'm sure you've seen this, make it an exercise this week to kind of go out, especially with women, but look at men too, and take notice of their eyebrows. Are they taken care of? Do they pluck? Do they probably wax? Are they trimmed? Can you tell that the natural shape of where the hair naturally would grow compared to how it is now and how hard was it to notice that did you really have to look for it does it seem like something that would go unnoticed also take a look online especially at makeup websites or anything having to do with beauty where they show people getting their eyebrows done pictures of people and how the shapes of the eyebrows change the entire facial features this often goes missed and it's funny because a lot of women that miss it say man this should be obvious whereas guys don't think about it at all but i've actually done it myself where I've changed the appearance of how I look only by changing my eyebrows. Now, why you can do this yourself, and a lot of people do, if this is something you're looking into and you've never done it before, I would definitely go get it done, talk to people to do it, learn a little bit about it before you practice on yourself and completely screw it up because there's things you have to determine about the sensitivity of your skin, whether you're plucking, shaving, waxing, or how you're removing it. How that's going to affect your skin? Is it going to get red, inflamed? These are all things we're not going to want because it's going to be more noticeable. So these are the things we need to learn. So that when it comes time to make that eyebrow change, you know what's going to work for you. 
You know, we spend so much time on our electronic devices, we don't notice people as much as we used to, which can be good if you're going gray. But the point of that is there's been a lot of people I've known even now because I pay attention to their facial features, especially with women, but with men too, where they do something different with their hair. They get a haircut or a hairstyle change, perhaps colored. They change their eyebrow shapes and then they wear makeup differently and it completely changes who they are. And sometimes they don't even look immediately like the person you know them to be. These things are actually more noted in formal events like, say, a wedding or a prom or some sort of uh, ball or dinner where people get dressed up and do their hair and do the makeup. And while women do that, guys do stuff, too, and they're wearing different clothing. And we notice sometimes, man, this person looks good or we see this person and we know it's them. But at first, we're just like, wow, we didn't realize it. What that should tell you, even with somebody that you know, is the impact those changes can have because regardless of how much time they spend on their appearance, each individual thing doesn't really take that long. Now, while you can do a lot of reading on your own, do seek experts in learning how to do this stuff and make sure you're looking for people that you may not think of. So while you may not know anybody that works and makes disguises for those in cover status at the CIA, if you actually know anybody that's a drag queen or does cross-dressing professionally or does their makeup and stuff like that, or even YouTube channels where people do their makeup, especially where it's men who do makeup work to themselves, whether it's how they choose to live or they're doing it for special effects, you can learn a lot from them about how these different materials work, not just makeup, but hair, maintenance, and taking care of your skin. Any makeup artist, especially if they're a legitimate professional, you can learn from, even if you can't afford to pay them to do it, you're going to get better information from a credentialed, credible, well-known source than just somebody who does their own research. Same thing, if you can find a legit high-end hairstylist to do your hair or to learn from, you're going to be better off with a better product than if you just run down to supercuts. But sometimes supercuts is all you can do, and that's fine if that's what you can do. But definitely find these online resources and learn about these things. Now, while all these things sounded mostly like we're taking things away, some things that can be added that can definitely change the appearance are facial prosthetics, especially noses being the most significant, Thing is, unless you have the money and know where to go to get the high-end products and have somebody that's really trained how to do it to sit you down and give you the material so that you can spend and put the time into making that change, probably not something you want to do. It's very easy to be noticed. So I'm definitely against the prosthesis unless you have quality materials and know what you're doing and get the time and training. Any over-the-counter special effects products like Halloween makeup and things like that that people do for parties and dress up and holidays that's fine if it's for that event but if you're actually going to use it to go on the run it's not a good thing they're not good quality products you'd have spent a lot of money getting the volume of it you need to practice with it you'd be better off special ordering that stuff if you're really looking into it again though for the average person i definitely recommend against it speaking of these types of people though one of the things to look into is makeup now, especially with a lot of guys who are like, well, I'm not going to wear makeup. It doesn't have to be flashy or rouge or eyeliner. It doesn't have to be any of these things, although they can somewhat change your appearance if you're going to go underground at a rave, which has happened, just saying. But it can change your complete facial dimensions and features. If you look at a lot of these um, models that high-end photographers take photos of, or like a woman I knew who I went to school with who became a, a director and worked in movies, when I saw some of her headshots, she looked great and I knew it was her, but she looked like a completely different person. And all that it was, was the application of makeup and how it was applied by a professional. 
if you look at some of these YouTube channels, especially guys that do makeup, for whatever reason they do it, if they show you pictures of them, especially applying the makeup or what they look like without it, yeah, you're like, if I knew the person, I'd probably know it's them, but because I don't know the person, I'd like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed. That's what you're going for. The thing is to understand about makeup, especially when you use larger amounts of it, it tends to work better on feminine faces, which doesn't necessarily mean women. It means more fair your skin is, the lighter the tone, the softer the features, you know, the less pronounced features you would see on a more masculine person or what we'd consider a sturdy, gruff man. It's easier to make the change on faces like that. And it's a lot more noticeable using any amount of makeup on a very masculine type appearance. Now, here's the thing. It might sound like, well, I got to put all this time and effort into it, or I got to hire all these people or pay to do this. That's only if you've got the money and you want to put the time and prep into it. Most of this, you can do your own research. But the thing is, you can make your own little kit to carry along with you in case you need to change your appearance. You don't need to spend a lot of money, but if haircutting is an option, make sure that you get some good solid scissors, either made for cutting hair or that you don't use for anything else. It's going to cut your hair very quickly and very simply. Get yourself some clippers. Even if you get cheap clippers, whether you're going to use them to cut hair, or trim facial hair, or do whatever, even if they're cheap from like Ross, if they're new and never used, they're going to work, even if you just use them the one time and throw them away. As far as your eyebrows go, once you figure that out, it may come down to just trimming them a little bit or plucking them with tweezers, but there's several little products with little stick things with razor blades on them. Some of you people know what I'm talking about. People use for facial grooming or genital area grooming. Those can actually work fairly quickly and easy at trimming away and shaping your eyebrows if you're in a rush. The other thing is if you're going to dye your facial hair, all you got to do is once you figure out what products are going to work for you, get twice the amount you think you'll need. Reason being is, depending on how dirty or clean your hair is, depending on the situation you're in or how long you have, you might need to either make a second application or you may need to reapply it several days later as it begins to wear and fade. You know, if you got the money for the contacts, add that to your kit. If you're going to go for the glasses, get a couple different types or sunglasses. And if you're in a place like me where you have sunglasses, do what I do. I have sunglasses I wear all the time, but I have sunglasses I never wear that are completely different. And because of how I appear and how I dress myself and the accessories I wear completely change my appearance to where people I know really well have not recognized me at close range as I walk by them or just taken them quite a bit of time to figure it out. You want these items to be new and in good shape, but typically out of their wrappers, unlike the hair dye. This is just so that it looks normal in case anybody comes across it. That's all it's for. You don't want to get pulled over in your car and have this little kit going on that looks like you're somebody that changes your appearance and then draws attention to yourself by law enforcement because they try to figure out if you're on the run or if you're going to change your appearance or kidnap somebody who changes your appearance. This might sound crazy, but there's been training situations people thought were real where this actually happened when they got apprehended by law enforcement. So you definitely don't want to have to have that discussion in real life. Really, after that, the most common thing people are going to look at is your hands. Typically for men, because we interact with our hands by shaking hands, women tend to show rings or show their nails or carry their hands in a certain way to accentuate the work they've had done to their hands so it can be seen, even if they don't realize it. Or sometimes we try to hide our hand, which will be either because they're cold, they're dirty, we're trying to hide something or we're about to do something bad. But the hands get noticed a lot. 
when looking at your nails, understand in most situations it's easier to make them dirty than it is to make them clean because all you got to do is take your nails and dig into the dirt and you can get dirt and grime under your nails to where most people without really inspecting it will have no idea that that dirt just happened in a few seconds instead of just not being clean for two weeks. It takes a little more effort to clean your nails and there's a lot of ways to do it. You just got to make sure that you have something to do it. So while it's great if you have the tools or a little brush or anything to clean under your nails, you can also just simply use a sharp edge object like a knife, even though it causes some damage to your nails. It may not be what matters to you if you need to clean them to change their appearance. The other thing is if you get your nails done, that's great. Do you know how to, if you have, say, nails glued on, do you know how to remove them quickly and have the materials you need to remove them quickly without causing too much noticeable damage and then paint over what's left? Or do you have a kit there where you can quickly add some nails on to change your appearance and paint over them? Now, why that does tend to speak more towards women, one thing with guys, especially if you're getting your nails manicured, don't get them too short. Have a little bit of length on there, nothing too crazy. You don't want a coke nail, nothing that's going to get snagged on anything, but just don't get them too short. Reason why is you can actually purposely get them dirty, as I talked about, or you can cause damage to them either by breaking them or chewing on them, something to make them look more like a normal guy if that's what you're going for to change your appearance from clean cut to kind of a dirty guy. In Converse, if you tend not to take care of your nails and you just say use a clipper or something, learn how to take care of your nails, how to manage the cuticles, how to file, how to buff, all those things, have those materials available so that if for some reason you need to change your appearance and you got the time to work on your hands, you can clean your hands up, clean up your nails, give yourself a little bit of work, even if it's not a paid professional manicure, and that can actually help change your appearance when you're inactive with people. Next is we tend to touch people with our hands, which means they touch our palms. Now, our palms, we can't change a whole lot about, but probably more than you think. Some people have very rough, thick, callous palms because of the work that they do, and some people have very soft kind of thinner skin palms because of the work they do because it tends to be more about what our hands are touching and doing. That's not really a huge issue. There's just things you need to prepare for. One is take care of your skin just like your face. Learn to use lotion not only to maintain care of your skin but specifically on the palms. So I know people that actually because of how they use their hands and they don't take care of their nails as part of their baseline for their appearance don't actually put lotion or much of it on the tops of their hands they only put it on their palms and that's to keep the calluses and stuff smooth to minimize the appearance of rough hands when they're shaking hands because there are people that look for that stuff and can notice it the other thing they'll do in those situations people that have rougher hands whether they do it as part of their regular maintenance or they do it if they need to change their appearance is they keep a pumice stone available like people use on their feet but they'll use it on their hands to smooth out the skin and even it out especially any of those thick calluses if you have those so that they're a little less noticeable when you're shaking hands or if anybody happens to look in your palms. Because people don't think about that, but you want to learn about somebody, look at their hands. And when you can see in their palms, look at their palms, see the condition of the skin, the calluses, any cracks, any flaking, how dry it is. That's going to tell you a lot more about that person than anything else that you see. Depending on the environment you're in and how well you may or may not know that person, you'll be able to make some assessments about them or how they care for themselves or where they possibly work. The hands will tell you a lot. You just got to know what you're looking for. Now, I want to add again, you can change all this stuff all you want, but if it doesn't feel normal, if you don't feel like it's who you are, people are going to see that even subconsciously. You're going to give off the body language if something's wrong. 
Depending on the study you read, it averages out to 70 to 75% of all communication is nonverbal. And we give that off a lot through facial expressions, but through other hand gestures, body positioning, how our legs and feet are positioned, where our hips are. Everything sends a message and people pick it up instinctively, even if they're not trained. So you have to practice with this stuff or you're going to tell people everything you don't want to tell them, no matter how much you change. When you need this, it's really going to matter. So make sure you practice and figure out what's going to work for you. Now, when it comes to clothing, a lot of the same rules apply. At the end of the day, nothing matters about your clothing if you aren't comfortable in it. If you can't behave normally, act normally like that's just the regular lounging clothes you wear, no matter how much it costs or what it is, it's going to be noticeable that something's out of place. Like everything else, it must be suitable. Some people say, oh, you shouldn't have high-end clothing. Clearly, you've never been to a real club, or you've never gone out in Vegas, or you've never been to any high-end studio, or been to any fashion shows, or been to any major cities, or walked around Manhattan in the business sector. There's places where suits stand out, but then there's places where if your suit's under $500, it definitely stands out. So don't get caught up in the price tag. Does the object itself make sense? Is it suitable to the environment? Is it suitable to the situation? If it is, it doesn't matter what it looks like or how much it costs. It needs to make sense. You need to look like you know what you're doing, and then you won't stand out. So if you go into some high-powered attorney's office and you're pretending like you want to work there, you need the clothing and accessories to match. Now you take that person and send them to a homeless shelter, they're going to stand out because it's not suitable to go to the homeless shelter in that outfit. Now let's take a guy that's homeless, like really homeless, dirty clothes, smells, stains, stinking. Yeah, there's places where that's pretty common and it actually fits into the environment in a homeless camp or homeless shelter. You take that same person in that outfit and you send them to that lawyer's office to apply for a job, they don't fit in anymore. The point is, there is a time and place for everything. Keep that in mind. Does it make sense? That being said, first thing about clothing is, unless you live in a nudist colony, you already have clothing. You already know what is your favorites, what is comfortable, what you believe you look good in, what people tell you you look good in. You already know what you like and what you have and what you want. So you're already ahead of the game. You also know what clothing you don't like that you still have, especially if you have to have it for a special reason. If you don't like it, the only question is why. And if you don't like how you look in it or you don't like how it feels, it's something you need to practice wearing in case you ever need it because I guarantee you stand out and look uncomfortable when you're wearing something you don't want to be wearing. Now that being said, instead of looking at new clothes to buy, look at the clothes you have now. Lay them all out. Lay the shirts out. Lay the socks, the shoes. Pick item by item. First thing is what stands out. So for example, if you've got shirts that have something on one of the breast pocket areas that is an emblem of some kind that's not necessarily bad the question is how noticeable is that compared to the overall we'll say color of that shirt or whatever item you're looking at is it going to matter then the thing is is that something you want to remove if you remove it how old is that item is there going to be fresh material under there that's going to be noticeable so we have to consider that the other thing is you don't have to get rid of clothing let's say you've got the old school polo shirt with the little tiny alligator up there. Yeah, that's probably going to be noticeable when somebody gets close. But the thing is, if you layer clothing, you can cover that up if you don't want to remove it or not sure that you can. So when we're looking at clothing, it's not that you can't or shouldn't wear something because something stands out. How can you work it to your advantage? Can you wear it in layers? 
Can I remove it? Does that make sense? Same thing with patterns. Sure, some patterns do stand out more than others, although there's places where it's appropriate. Generally speaking, solid colors will tend to work in more common everyday places than things that are more extreme in nature by their vibrancy or intensity of color or the more intense and loud the pattern is. Why is that? It has nothing to do with what people normally wear. It actually has to do with how our brain registers and processes those images. That's all it is. Let's put this in context and look at some people traveling on a cruise ship or going to Hawaii, especially if they're a little bit older, because that tends to be what we think of tourists, although having lived several years in Hawaii, that isn't always the case. Sometimes people say you should never look touristy because if you look touristy, you look a certain way, you look like you're lost. Okay, yeah, that's true, but you know what? That's a good way to be gray, especially if you're traveling. If you're going to travel to Hawaii and you've never gone there and you're excited about going and you've never done a lot of traveling, the second you get to the airport, you're going to start seeing things about how people dress and act. Just like you'll see when they come back, you'll see how people are when they're there. You'll realize how many different ethnicities and languages are in Hawaii. You'll find all them flowered shirts for sale and not too many people actually wear them. The thing is, it's a good way to hide in that group or to be looking like everybody else. Sure, there's probably places where you with a flowered shirt and a camera shouldn't be anyway and will definitely stand out. But if you're on Waikiki, where a lot of those people are anyway, you just look like another tourist. What do you want to do? Do you want to try to blend into that environment and look like a local? It's going to be very difficult because there's not a lot of white people there. There's several languages, even a made-up one called Pigeon. Not to mention all the colloquialisms and local terms and the comma and a car that you won't even be told about and how things are paid for and the way you speak. That's a lot of stuff to try to learn on the fly and even if you learn it beforehand to pull off. Or you could just be yourself and act like the tourist that you are and use that to your advantage let them have that impression and ask all the simple, stupid questions that everybody asks and behave the way all the other people behave that they're expecting and that they're used to and use that to your advantage to get the information you want because that's what a gray man does. So part of going unnoticed, blending in and being seen in the crowd, the biggest part of it and what makes it really successful is to be right in somebody's face, getting or giving the information you want and being completely unmemorable because you actually disappear in that crowd of tourists in this example. That's what being a gray man really is. It isn't walking around in the shadows or hiding or not letting anybody ever see you or wearing a hoodie like in all these photos I see for gray men. While there's time and a place for that, that's not the majority of it. The majority of it is looking like you're supposed to be there. So in this example, if you're going to look like you're supposed to be there, you're going to have to look like a tourist. So looking back at suitable using that flowered shirt, yeah, it's probably not suitable to pretend to be a local or to be a local and wear a lot of flowered shirts. Some people do, but it's not all that common. But yet at the same time, it's completely suitable to the environment of those tourists to wear that shirt or walk around with the camera. That's the environment, the people they're around, not necessarily the state, the town, or location they're in. And now we're going to discuss a few body language things you can do through mirroring and matching, things you can do to manipulate the situation to actually hide better and keep people from looking at you to stay out of their sight line. And this is very helpful and I do this all the time and it's one of the most common things to do when trying to be gray. The biggest reason for this to put it in context is hiding your eyes and is always the best thing. Sometimes that doesn't make sense, it's out of place, 
whether you're wearing glasses, contacts or not, sometimes letting people see us for who we really are because we know we can make other changes is okay. Because sometimes covering your eyes just looks like you're hiding and people don't like that. But there's things we can do to make them look other places and redirect their attention. And we do that through body language and body posturing. The first thing is, do your eyes naturally wander? Now, I don't mean like your boyfriend or husband wanders and looks at every girl in the bar, although that could play a part. What I mean is when you're talking, do you naturally just look around in the background, even if you're not focusing on it because your head's moving with your thoughts? You need to use that to your advantage if that's who you are. The other thing is if you don't do that, you can practice it, but not by looking like you're a space cadet. You want to look and focus on something while you're speaking, whether it's a picture on the wall or somebody walking by that doesn't normally stand up. Once it appears normal, a part of your personality, one of the things about this is when somebody's talking to us, especially when they're anything close to facing us, if not directly across, they'll continue the conversation. They'll notice you seeing things. And a lot of times what they'll do is initially look to see what has you distracted and they won't necessarily see it as you not paying attention to them, especially if you're doing your due diligence, making eye contact on occasion, verbally recognizing them, giving them nonverbal cues that you're practicing and making it very clear that you're in this conversation, but something else has distracted you. This in turn causes them to move and try to look at that object, especially if you verbally point it out without trying to change the subject or just be, oh, I just noticed that picture. And you just keep it that simple. You're not trying to change the subject. They'll make their own conscious or subconscious decision to look at that object. Their brain will reset. They'll focus on new colors, new shapes, new input. They're not looking at you. And then for that brief second or two, you can reposition yourself if you need to or even position yourself more towards that angle to where, let's say you're sitting or facing each other straight across, then you both kind of get it to more of a V shape where, yeah, you're peripheral. You can kind of see each person. You're kind of looking at them a little bit, but it's not as normal naturally keep staring at each other. You're both now looking at other objects and getting other input, which can confuse the memory and make it a lot easier for when you have to make your change so that in the event this person needs to recall who you are, they have greater difficulty. Now, unless it's absolutely necessary to be wearing sunglasses, you take the same situation with sunglasses, especially if you're a person that has what they call a boring face or resting bitch face, or you're just not smiling happily a lot. And then especially if you just kind of glance over and stare at something and never keep turning back and making eye contact and giving those verbal and nonverbal cues, their brain's going to process that as being rude. And then whether they look at something else or not, they're going to handle that situation differently. They're going to remember you and they're going to key more in on why are you behaving this way. So you want to give off the positive vibes, the positive attitude, positive energy, Anything to give a positive impression to this situation makes it less likely that they're going to remember you, whereas people tend to remember negative things. Remember the statement, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. That's because if you blow it and make any sort of negative impression, we tend to choose to maintain those memories longer instead of maintaining those positive memories longer. Another thing about body language is easy to tell where somebody's interests are, even though a lot of time it's completely subconscious. So when they're standing, you look to see where a foot is pointed or where their knees are pointed if they're sitting or just generally where their body starts more and more repositioning away. You actually see this when people interact in a bar or some situation where it's common to try to pick people up and you'll see one of them position their body and focus more towards another individual or another situation. The reason we do this is that's where our interests are, whether we're interested in a person or something over there or we're just interested in getting away. 
So you can actually send that message when you're looking at things or starting to position things is while not completely turning away from somebody positioning or spinning in your chair, the lower body, when you start to gesture a certain direction or talk about something over there, or when you're standing, moving a hip and a foot pointed more in that gesture in that area, it will take a little bit of time, a few seconds or a couple of minutes, but people will start to naturally just drift in that direction because that's where you're pointing your interest to. This is something easy you can experiment with on your own. It doesn't matter who you experiment with, whether it's somebody you know or don't know, you will see them react to these types of gestures and movements. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we do this, but we want to get closer to the idea of being shoulder to shoulder, whether seated or standing, kind of like being in a vehicle. Part of the reason is you're out of their sight line, but you can still maintain awareness and talk to each other. Neither one of you is so focused to where they're paying attention to you so they can have memorable toys and qualities about yourself, and you're not so focused on them that you get distracted from your situational awareness. The other thing is, especially if there's gender differences, height differences, tone differences, depending on the conversation, all subconsciously play in. When we get more to shoulder to shoulder, we're sending the message that we're on the same playing field, that we're of equal status, which is kind of a sociological perspective, but it actually helps and works. This is part of how I've got people in interrogations to cooperate. Interrogations isn't all about waterboarding. A lot of times it's about building rapport and making friends. And sometimes it's taking the cuffs off, sitting next to them, knee to knee, letting them drink water that you gave them and just being more open and natural with your body language, sending them the message that everything's okay and that you're on the same page. And I'm telling you, it works. So to put this in a practical example, you always want to do what's natural to the other person first if that option is available. So let's look at the grocery checkout, at the grocery store. The way the person checking your items is positioned towards you is to receive your items on that belt and to punch numbers into a machine to take your money and give you money back. They're already oriented that way. Their job is to take stuff in and get it out. That's the direction they're looking at. We, of course, are moving in the opposite direction, focused on getting our items and getting out of the store. And these are opposing forces. So one of the things you can do, since all grocery stores are pretty much set up the same way where they're on the left and you're on the right as you go in, position yourself and make an effort to turn back towards the way you came, generally in the same area they're at, and you'll actually find it a little easier on them. Conversations will flow a lot more smoothly may find it be real easy that you get involved in a conversation talking about something or something else in the store or something in that general direction. You want to do that because it makes it easier on them. If you're doing the thing where you're looking the opposite direction with opposing forces, talking about what you're going to do after or you're waiting to get out of there, or all the things where we're only focused on ourselves, whether you intend for it to not, their subconscious is like, hey, this person's selfish. They want to get out of here. I can't leave. It causes this friction that we don't have. These are things I look at in conversation, not just when I want to interrogate it, but when I work with people now, when I train people now, when I deal with situational awareness. These are the little tips and tricks that make a difference in everyday life and your appearance and how you behave and how you maintain being gray. The other thing, too, as I previously mentioned, you're pointing your interests in the same general direction they are and getting more towards that V-shape, putting yourself on the same page. Whereas the opposing point, when you're faced towards or gesturing towards or looking towards the exit, you're showing your interest is getting out of the building, which may be true. But what it's telling that person subconsciously is you want out of that conversation that you don't want to be talking to them. And it sends the message that they're of no importance and that they're beneath you. And these are not the messages we want to send. We want to send messages that make us equal, that make us similar. That way, in their mind, part of processing the memory of you 
is it's a lot closer to who they are as a person, which makes it harder to differentiate between the two and make it harder for them to identify or remember you. Now, the reason these matter in the gray man concept is people always talk about that appearance thing, but you only see so much of the appearance for so long. And when the only time you really see the appearance and really look somebody over is if you're oogling them and staring them up and down, or you're at a fashion show looking at clothing, or maybe in the checkout line, if somebody really decides to stare at you or you're staring at that person from behind when they're not looking at you, that's not so uncommon. But some of those situations are avoidable or just by nature inherent to that environment. Whereas these interactions we have with people at restaurants, at the grocery store, at church, at the automotive stores, when you go shopping for something, even just having conversations on the phone, you're not looking at somebody face-to-face or talking to your kids. We interact with people. Most of us do it all the time. That's where you make your money as a gray man. That's how you hide your intentions, hide who you are. You let them make assumptions about you. That's all the tourist story in Hawaii was, is working with the assumptions and predetermined notions they already have and using it to your advantage. Don't fight the wheel. Go with the flow. That's what being a gray man is. That's why sometimes standing out is what you want. That tourist guy, sure, he stands out, but in the right place, standing out is blending in. Just like the Nike golf shirt or some other branded item. Is it suitable to that environment? Is there a place for it? Does it make sense? And then even if all the stars align and you know how to make these changes to your appearance and you have your clothing and all this stuff figured out, then it's like anything else. If you don't put it into practice, then when it comes time to matter, It won't work for you because you'll send the wrong messages or at least the message you're uncomfortable. And that speaks louder than almost any other message other than fear or terror. So take these items, practice, check your clothes out, figure out what you want to change about your appearance, work it out, put it into practice. When you get all this done, treat it like anything else and actually go out and try it. Go on vacation and try it. Just go out in public to your normal places after you make a change and how many of these people that you see infrequently or regularly, whether it's a coffee shop person or the cashier, actually notice you and notice a change. That's important. These are people you're thinking, I see this person, I recognize them when I come to this business, but they see hundreds or thousands of people a day, but all of a sudden they remember you or you stand out, a person that doesn't know you that well. That tells you how effective that change can be. That yeah, it could work if absolutely nobody has familiarity with me. But this person I thought didn't really know me that well has some familiarity I wasn't prepared for. That's why you need to practice so you can determine what's going to work and to what degree and in what situation. So thank you again for listening. Check the links below for the other podcasts that I endorse as well as join our Facebook group if you want some daily information on the Gray Man concept or if you're on Twitter. Definitely look on anchorfm.com for the other seven platforms that this is rebroadcast on, including iTunes and Spotify. There's also a link in the description if you want to support us. Do like and share with your friends if you think this is something you'll enjoy. And definitely shoot me a message on Facebook if there's something you want more specifics on or questions you have, and I'll address them in the next podcast.